Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and warm, warm welcome to our Brangaroo Studios. This is the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to two experts. One hour. It's Wednesday, the 16th of February, and uh, it's a fast and furious show, and we've got a lot to get through today. So let's get stuck into it. Uh, panel today, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Carl, welcome from over in the West there. Good to see you. Thanks, Koshi. Yes, warm welcome. Very warm day over here. Um, right. Great great to be here in yeah. our protected, protected encapsulated yeah. bubble over here. Yeah, in yeah. In your little oasis there. I've got a... A daughter who, uh, it's her second summer and three grandkids in Perth at the moment. And she said, summer is like living on the sun in Perth. It she is. Says, it's an inferno. <laughs> uh, what, did, what do you have? 14 consecutive days above 40 at one stage. Uh, yeah, back, like uh, was it? back in, in December. But yeah, um, yeah we, it's going to oh. be, if it's 35, 36 as far as the eye can see from here. So yeah, um, yeah. down so the beach balmy. in the pool. Mm, all right, yep. by comparison. <laughs> Uh, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial joins us as well. Michael, Happy New Year. First time back in. Yeah, back in the studio. I've oh, been yeah. back at work for a bit longer than that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, good to have you here. It's good to be back. All right. Uh, in the first half hour, uh, we're going to be taking a look at EBOS, Structural Monitoring Systems, Coles, American Pacific Borats and a- Abacus Property. Um, so a really interesting mix of stocks there. But... Right, We've got a flood of announcements. I usually pick a stock of the day, stock that's in the news, but it's been a mammoth day when it comes to reporting season and company news. So I'm going to cheat a bit today and uh, uh, get the opinion from our experts on two stocks. Just sort of give them 30, 60 seconds uh, to cover each of them, what they think of the announcement and and also what they think of the the stock at the moment. Um, CSL. Big favourite here on the, uh, on the call. One of our, our big health uh, care companies, global healthcare company, posted a 5% drop in half-year profits as Omicron restrictions hit its plasma collection business, particularly in the US. And you pay to give, get paid to give blood over there. Uh, net profit after tax at uh, constant currency coming in at one and three quarter billion. That's a beat on the consensus of one and a half billion US declared an interim dividend of a dollar for the smallest since March 2018. Uh, Carl, what did you think of uh, of the result and CSL at these levels? Yeah, a bit cheeky there, Koshi, throwing two stocks of the day yep. at us in the middle of reporting season <laughs> as well. Probably the busiest day as well. I tell you what, wake me up when February's over. It is hard work as, an, as a stock market analyst at this time of the year. Uh, look, I thought it was a pretty good result. If you look past, as you say, the immunoglobin uh, business, which is still uh, suffering the impacts of COVID, the rest of the business uh, was 
doing much better. So, um, like you say, it's, it's widely held, and certainly here at Think Markets, um, our clients have this, and it's one of the most asked about stocks we have. Yep. I mean, almost a daily basis, clients are saying, uh, "When can I buy?" And that's definitely the the rhetoric around around their their inquiries is, "When is it time to buy?" And um, I did a client webinar yesterday, and honestly, I could not provide them with a definitive answer because whilst I think it's it's starting to look quite cheap, I mean, at 240, our discussions were look, it's looking very cheap down there. Our fair value targets are in about that two. $294 level. Uh, brokers right. are even higher higher than us. A broker a consensus is 322 uh, and an average rating of a buy. So um, it's looking cheap down there. But again, because of that um, technical bias that we have over here where uh, we run that filter, we need, do need a chart to be you know, at least showing some, some signs in the short term that's picking up. Um, it's more of a pass for us. So I'm going to stick with that rhetoric. But um, if you've got it, um, I guess maybe there's some comfort there that on a valuation basis, uh, we're probably uh, oh, very cheap around 240, probably seen, seen the lows with this bounce now as well. Okay, yeah, so it's up, up 6% today on the, uh, on the result. Michael, see so. Yeah, look, it's probably our most widely held position, uh, the biggest position that we have in our model portfolio, a lot of clients' biggest position. It's done very well over a long period of time, um, but it's been under a bit of pressure now for probably a year, year and a half almost. So I think I've been saying to buy it at 270, 275. So most of our clients are pretty full up on it. Um, for brand new clients, we would have no hesitation in picking it up. We think the long-term outlook yep. is pretty good for a high quality business. Um, obviously they've had a setback because of COVID, but they guided the market pretty well for the next year. And if you look at those numbers, I think they should start to bounce back if they can deliver that. But obviously the high PE, high growth names yep. come yep. under pressure and this has been lumped <clears throat> in that basket. So yep. happy to buy it. Okay, buy yep. these levels. Um, Mark Morland from uh, Team Invest had it as a screaming buy yesterday where we talked about yeah. this is before the 6% increase. Um, but yeah, I, re I remember not so long ago where uh, the consensus here on the call was if CSL ever gets below 300, buy it. <laughs> oh, then it can go on 270, um, 260, 240. Well, his, history does suggest there can be, you know, multi years where CSL goes sideways. I yeah. mean, they're listed in the early 90s. It didn't always go up every year, year after yeah. year. There are periods where it consolidates and potentially this is one of those periods. Mm. Okay. Yep. Uh, the other stock I thought we'd uh, just quickly ask the guys about is Lion Town, uh, another favourite of Ausbiz uh, viewers uh, because we, we can track what people are interested in through the app. Um, eyeing the best day in five months as it inks a five-year lithium supply agreement uh, with Tesla. Uh, Carl, what do you think of the, the Lion Town announcement? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, you don't get any bigger in the business than Tesla, isn't it? If you can sign a binding offtake agreement for about a third of your expected first year supply uh, with a name like that, that's always uh, going to be a bit of a boost to your share price. Uh, incidentally, they actually uh, signed a similar deal back in January with LG for about another third. So there's still, um, a bit, you know, about a third there that's remaining. And they may not, um, they may not look to, to lock that up because... Um, the, uh, the lithium price is so high at the moment. So spodumene, spodumene concentrate, which is what these guys are producing, uh, has literally doubled in the last sort of six to nine months, hovering around about uh, 2,500 a tonne. Uh, now, at that level, the uh, net present value of, of their uh, business, of their uh, of their asset, is about $7 billion. And now that compares to about the $4 billion from their DFS, uh, which was using, you know, prices from from about 12 months ago so uh, the market cap on this one is about three billion 
uh, net present value potentially seven billion. And I think this is the the risk for investors is that you can't necessarily go well three billion current market cap, seven billion a net present value, and draw a straight line between them and say, well, it's it's looking cheap. I think um, look, I think there's 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 a great um, there's a great uh, cash earner here. I think you know from 20 late 2024 25 when the cash starts coming in it's going to look very good but the problem for lion town now what investors have to understand is we've gone from you know 12 to 18 months ago where nobody knew about this asset uh, and it was about 50 cents and we started uh, talking about it over here at think markets and putting it out in technical scans to a point where everybody knows about it now um, and it's you know it's it's trading with a much higher valuation and because we've still got that huge lead time out uh, to first production out in 2025 and then cash flows and valuations, investors have a habit of getting a bit bored with these things. And they, they start to, uh, as the price starts to sort of, um, profit taking comes in uh, and, and the price starts to wane, it, momentum tends to build on itself and, and, and it tends to, you know, stocks like this can pull back significantly before we get to production and then maybe, um, you know, the market starts to look at it again. So that would be the only risk I have with LTR. I think the chart's starting to reflect that scenario. We are pulling back from those two turtle highs. We're sort of making a base around 140. But let's just look at the price action. Uh, that is the peaks in the troughs and the candlesticks, predominantly black, tells me we've gone from this buy the dip sort of mentality about Lion Town to more of a sell the rally mentality. I'd be starting to get a little bit concerned, even looking at today, you know, popped up on what is on the face of a great, great announcement, but then fading back. So again, it's that sell the rally mentality. I would say if we get below that 140, it could be a long wait before you uh, get another look at $2 again. So uh, it's about managing our exits for us over here at Think Markets with this one. Um, if you've had a really good run, we're just looking for for you know exit points at this stage. And then we might look at it again when they get closer to production. Are you saying sell the rally today? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go okay. so far as to say light, light, lighten the load. Light, light, lighten See, the these load. West so, Australians, they sort of no, all no. stick together. No, it's, a, it's a lighten. It's a, a lighten. A yeah. lighten. So, a, a lighten. So you're not selling everything, you know, right. but you might sell, say, a Take profits. Okay. Yes. Michael? I think Carl makes some, some great points there about sort of market dynamics and behaviour that you know, when there's lots of good positive news flow and the lithium price is doing well, yeah. there's a lot of positivity embedded in the price. And then if things go quiet for a little bit, um, you might see the heat come out of the share price. I don't know as much about this company as Carl or probably many of your readers and viewers, um, but obviously the lithium space has been very, very hot. Um, there's definitely, in our view, a, a long runway to usage for, for lithium. And it's just a matter of how the price holds up. Last time there was this big influx of supply that flooded the market, the price came down, we might see something similar to that again, or we might see demand yep. a bit more entrenched. We're pretty optimistic on the space. We don't hold this one specifically, but it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful performer. Um, just keep in mind that with this agreement with Tesla, it doesn't really kick in for another few years yet, and it is contingent on them getting that Kathleen mine up and running and into production. Right. So there's a bit of water to go under the bridge there before it's a guaranteed cash in the bank for them. Right, so... Look, I'm happy to hold it. Hold it. Hold okay. it. Okay. Just right. on the broader theme. Let's get into the stocks that you suggested. And uh, Michael Tracy wants a view on EBOS. The, uh, um, uh, they class themselves as a diversified Australasia marketer, wholesaler and distributor of healthcare, medical and pharmaceutical profits. Basically, they own Terry White Chemist to, and Symbium, to put it in, uh, in a bit of context for you. Um, started, uh, it's been a company that's going for, been going for a long time, hasn't it? 
It's actually one of these companies that's flown under the radar yes. a bit. It's up probably 400% in, in five years or so, which is a, a terrific return. And probably not the type of business you would expect to do that well. Um, obviously, yeah. there's been a little bit of probably a tailwind coming from COVID, people getting into chemists and trying to stay on top of their health. But if you look at the balance sheet on this one, you look at revenue growth, earnings growth, margins, return on equity, all those key metrics that you sort of screen for quality are all moving and trending in the right direction. The one thing that's probably held us back from investing in the past has been the low margin business that these sorts of things are. Yep. Um, there is always a risk that, the, that the, um, the drug makers go and circumvent distributors like this, um, but that hasn't transpired and we've been, been wrong on it. So it's a difficult one because everything at the moment looks very good from a fundamental perspective, but it's just the long term what happens down the track if those margins do get squeezed for whatever reason and they maybe lose some of these distribution agreements is something to keep in mind because they can take a big chunk out of revenue mm. pretty quickly. So look, from mine, I'm happy to hold it because the momentum in the business right. is so good. The update today was very strong and the market I think reacted quite optimistically to that. And often those companies that report well in earnings season continue that momentum and outperform the market in mm. the next three months or so. So okay. happy to hold it if you hold it, but it's not one I can jump into at this stage. Okay. Um, Carl, what do you think? Started back in 1922 in New Zealand is the roots of this business. Yeah, look, I actually did, didn't know it's that, right? I did know it was a, a, yeah, it was a New Zealand company. Um, but uh, yeah, look, as Michael said, it's doing very well and has a track record of doing very well over a long period of time. Um, the report today was a solid one. And, uh, you know, he's right when uh, you, you get these positive reactions uh, and they hold. So we've seen, uh, like for Liontown, for example, an initial positive reaction, uh, euphoria, and then we get those low closes on the day uh, where people are selling into the uh, into the strength. Uh, but this is it's up today and it's holding. So you know, positive supply, a little bit of a, a shift there potentially uh, in thinking, which was let's face it, um, quite positive to start off with. Um, but if the buying persists into the end of the session, uh, that tells you that there's probably more buying to come on this one. Uh, I do like the business. You know, they're, they're forecasting sort of you know low to mid uh, teen um, double digit growth for the next few FYs. Not crazy expensive uh, either. We're talking sort of 28 times this year's earnings, um, which is, you know, it, it's it's on the highish side unless you've got some gr good growth within the business to back it up. And, and, and you do, and that's coming down to sort of, you know, in the low 20s to, to just into the teens sort of over the next FYs. Um, I think execution on risk, risk on this one is pretty low. It's on the low side. Um, the business is growing organically, but then you've got, um, you know, they're, they're adding stores as well. Um, and uh, they've got a big uh, deal with Chemist Warehouse too, who are also looking to add stores. So uh, plenty to like in it. Um, it. I think it's fairly valued um, up at, up around sort of these prices, maybe um, 38 is probably top of the range in terms of the valuation. Uh, and otherwise it's probably top of the range in terms of the chart. So look, it's a solid hold if you got it. It's one of those um, sleep at night, uh, long-term yeah. portfolio stocks that you could you, you could buy quite happily now. It, it, it's it, you know take take a five-year view. It's going to be higher than where it is. It's going to pay a pretty good dividend in, in the meantime and not give you a lot of headaches. Okay, um, Carl Braden wants a view on structural monitoring systems. Uh, Braden says purchased at forty cents. It's had its highs and its lows. Uh, is it worth holding on to? Um, it's a, um, a health monitoring business, isn't it? Well, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, you couldn't get two completely different companies from uh, EBOS to, to this one. Uh, now, health monitoring, the structural health 
of your uh, aircraft components, Koshi. Yeah. So let's imagine you've got, um, I, I don't know, say uh, something in the fuselage uh, that you, you want to know if it's cracking uh, and you put one of these uh, these sensors on it, they've okay. got like a vacuum a vacuum that sticks so to does the part. That, and if there's does any- that replace the pilot walking around, you know, when, when you're waiting in the terminal and you see your pilot walk around, have a look at everything, you think, what the hell is he doing? Or she? It's probably, well, I think in, in most cases, generally, they've, they've probably lost the keys there, Kosh, and, they're, and they're, they're looking around with the flashlight to see if they dropped it on the tarmac. But uh, not, so, not so much the pilot, but if you could imagine yeah, yeah. somebody like, uh, say, Delta Airlines, uh, who, who's partnering uh, with these guys to, to get a particular um, sensor approved by the FAA over in America. Um, it, 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 it takes you know many many man hours. Um, it could take you, you could have an aircraft out of um, circulation for up to three days to 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 get to a part which it only takes ten minutes to check. Um, but you've got to do these things. They're mandated, and it's just so it's you know it's vitally critically important to do these checks. But if you have one of these sensors, what we're doing now is we're kind of becoming more proactive. We're assuming you can you can put your trust in the sensor, and that's that's where the testing comes into it. You could say, well, we we don't need to do that check until the sensor yep. potentially needs to tell us, or we're doing it in a, in in a, in a less frequent fashion, and that's saving big big money for the airline. So the airlines are right behind these guys. Um, they, they've got uh, a key, sort of a critical sensor um, up for approval by the FAA, probably not too far away. And then that does give them scope for commercialization down the track. But, you know, they're, they're still early stages. You know, they're, they're, they're probably cash flow neutral uh, from another business. They've got this um, aircraft component manufacturing business, sort of a bespoke business there that's uh, that, that's getting them about cash flow neutral. Um, and then this is the, the, the upside, the blue sky is coming from these sensors. Uh, we, we need the approval, it's got to come through. Now, putting all that aside, I think it's a really interesting business and I will 100% be keeping an eye on it. I won't be calling it a buy today. The big problem is they've run out of money, Koshi. Um, so, so, right. so literally that's it, Bubka's left in the bank. Now they're trying to do a, um, a capital raising, but uh, ASICs, uh, put a couple of uh, red flags on, on some of the items here and they're trying to reconcile that and get it over the line. I don't think it's anything too sinister or too serious and I think it'll happen, um, but it's currently in a trading hold. So it's suspended right. until the end of the month. So you couldn't trade in it if you wanted to. Let's see how it goes when it comes back from that. Let's see how we go with this FAA approval. It's very interesting. I'll be watching it, but I can't mm. call it a bite. Great, great business. Yeah, interesting one. I'd never come across it oh. before. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how the market reacts once it does reopen because they are burning through a lot of cash at the moment. I think it's close to 700000 a quarter. They've got about 1.6 left in the bank, so you don't have to do the maths right. to work out that they're going to run out of cash pretty soon. So they need to get that capital raising underway. It was deferred because the, the, the legal team uh, omitted some details around the employment uh, remuneration scheme um, and that sort of has put it on the back burner for a bit. It's the second bite at the cherry that they've done on the capital raising as well. I think in the last 12 months they initially postponed one due to COVID at 70 cents and now they're going again and, and raising right. money um, at I think about 60, 61 cents. So yeah, they want to probably get this out of the way as smoothly as possible um, to avoid any further issues. But interesting company but not one that I'm familiar okay. with. So I'm going to have to put it as a well, if you could sell it, I'd probably put it as a sell. Right, Just okay. Um, uh, Michael, let's go to the other end of, uh, of the spectrum. Coles, the big supermarket group. Yes, um, so consumer staples, as sort of safe as you could get, really. Um, in many ways, this business will grow over time along with population growth. And obviously, population growth is 
come to a bit of a halt at the moment, but the most recent set of updates from Coles indicated that they've lost a bit of market share to Woolies, not only in the stores, but also online. And that's a little bit of a concern for them. But what you tend to find is that, you know, Woolies will come back strong at Coles, Coles will then attack Woolies yeah. and they'll constantly have these battles for market share. They'll invest in lower prices and those sorts of things. But I mean, for Coles, they're just not that exciting. Obviously, there's been a lot of messiness surrounding COVID and the impact on their business. Um, the, the return to normal will take a bit of time, obviously, because we still got Omicron floating around. So it's very difficult to gauge exactly where Coles sits at the moment and what their true business position looks like. Um, they're also facing stiff competition from, from Metcash as well as you know Audi and some other entrants. So for us, we just feel as though there are better alternatives right. elsewhere. You can do worse than, than owning Coles, but just don't expect you know, outsized okay. returns over the long run, we don't <clears throat> think. Fair enough. Um, Carl, a lot of attention recently on Woolworths spitting out Endeavour. They got all the headlines, didn't they? But um, these big supermarkets, are they, you know, with inflation rising, with interest rates rising, are they a bit more stable in environments like that? What do you think of Coles? Yeah, look, I think that's that's the type of investor this is going to appeal to. So, you know, when I come on the show, say, find the right um, stock for the right investor. So if, you, yeah. if you're looking for more that uh, defensive sleep at night factor, um, I talked about EBOS. Um, it's interesting to sort of bring it into this conversation and maybe we can compare, well, which one would you buy out of the two? And I said, uh, that one had a, a price to winnings ratio this year of about 28 times earnings. And I said, um, you know, it sounded high, but you know, we're, we're forecasting growth for the next three years, about 14% per annum. Now, um, Coles, put in perspective, has in, in theory, a cheaper price to earnings ratio. So you're paying 22 times this year's earnings, but if you look at the growth rate, it's it's much less. It's probably about seven percent. Okay, it's so about right. half the growth rate. So right. it looks cheaper on the face of it. But as you get into the future, obviously as earnings grow for the fixed price you pay today for your company, just get your head around it. You're paying a fixed price today, but the E part of the equation is going to grow. Now the earnings on EBOS, for example, is going to grow faster to bring that PE down, effectively your valuation metric down faster and make it cheaper in the long run than potentially investing in coal. So if we're looking at two very sleep at night, very steady stocks, I'd be picking something like EBOS over Coles. Oh, um, if, if now, now, hey, let's say you're full up of healthcare stocks. Let's say, oh, okay, Carl, that's useless to me. I can't buy EBOS. I've got so many healthcare stocks in my portfolio. I'm looking for a supermarket, okay that changes the conversation doesn't it so then we say well let's look at Woolworths let's look at Metcash I think Coles is cheaper than Woolworths right now I think it's better value than Woolworths but I think Metcash is the pick in the sector I think the, the growth profile of Metcash versus its current valuation you pay only pay about 14 times um, the the earnings on Metcash and it's got a much higher growth rate uh, potentially than Coles probably about that 10 11 percent because of its uh, its hardware and okay. it's, uh, it's growing liquid liquid divisions um, charts better in Metcash as well so hey if you had to pick a defensive stock I'd go EBOS if you had to pick a, a supermarket I'd go Metcash okay uh, Leslie uh, Carr wants a view on American Pacific Borat um, they have a uh, their Fort Cody boron um, um, plant over there in Southern California. Uh, what do you yep. think of American Pacific? They've been caught up in the whole <laughs> lithium rare earths type boom, haven't they? Yeah, a little bit. Nothing to do with Borat from Kazakhstan. It's all about <laughs> borates from California, Koshi, boom, boom. Uh, and they do have a, a really uh, sub substantial, large uh, strategic deposit over there. It's just been given, um, what do they say here, critical infrastructure 
uh, status by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA. Uh, and that's because um, uh, there's the, the boron that's out there at the moment is largely controlled by uh, Chinese interests. Mm. And of course, um, that makes the Americans a little bit cranky and a little bit nervous. So when they have a, a, a you know deposit like this of their own, they certainly want to, um, you know, to, to look after it. Uh, and uh, if, if boron, if you don't know what uh, the uses are for that, um, in terms of uh, EVs, you use it in, in the, the powerful magnets that go into the, the motors. Um, you can use it also um, as a hardener. So um, uh, to, uh, a lot of the, the wind turbines, those, those big blades on those uh, wind turbines uh, for, for wind-based electricity that uh, are made, made with boron. A lot of glass uh, uses boron. It's fertilizers, pharmaceuticals. It's all, look, it's all over the place. And uh, certainly the market is tightening. Prices are on the way up. Not crazy, crazy like lithium, um, but heading in the right direction. So um, all good stuff there. The big mystery about this company um, is the fact that uh, they were heading wonderfully, beautifully towards production uh, around about April, May uh, last year. Uh, and then the CEO stepped down, probably a disagreement with the board because the board's decided that we're not actually going to open this mine anytime soon. What we're going to do is pursue this NASDAQ listing and, and, and uh, re-domicile to the US. And it became a whole lot less about getting to production and making some money to just this status of changing their name and moving to the NASDAQ. Now, the good news is that the, the resource is still there. They've actually upgraded in the meantime and, and they will get to uh, production at some stage. It's a pretty low um, capex to, to kick it off. Look, um, I kind of get to the chase here. Chart is beautiful, bottom left, top right, and I think it's. Um, I think there's there's probably a bit more in it, but again, it's a little bit more like that Lion Town resources where you've gone from nobody knowing about it to kind of yeah. everybody knowing about it. Um, so that fifteen would cents three years ago. <laughs> absolutely, we we started talking about it when it was about sixty cents. I think I actually I was on Ausbiz, and, and yeah. I think my, my, one of my first spots on Ausbiz. Um, I talked to Nadine about this one, it was about 60 cents. Um, so it's more about, probably for us now, it's more about just being nimble and on our toes and looking for signs that we might need to lighten the load. We don't want to be all in and we don't want to be all out. So maybe we're taking a bit of profits depending right. on some of the signals here, which aren't ideal. Uh, and then we'll see how it goes from there. But we'll okay. keep a stake on this because I think longer term, there's plenty of potential. Okay, Michael? It's interesting um, at the moment, there's different cycles that we see in the markets. I mean, a few years ago, it was vitamins, infant milk yep. formula, telco before <laughs> that, uh, buy now, pay later, whatever it may be. And very much at the moment, it's these sort of niche, unique type commodities that are very much in play. And, and many of the companies in this space have done incredibly well. And that could well continue to play out, particularly if we get inflation and commodity prices do sort of maintain their current levels. But you do need to be careful at some of the, the multiples, I think, that you pay for some of these things. Um, a business like this has got no revenue yet. They might well deliver that down the track, but yeah. who knows what the price is gonna be. And they're burning more and more money each year. So it is something to be conscious of as an investor. It is high risk. They may well get to production, um, but what happens to the price when they do eventually get there? So often, Look, it might make sense to defer, but sometimes it might turn out to be the wrong decision, particularly if the price does moderate from here. But this particular one uh, does seem to be critical infrastructure in many ways, in, at least in the eyes of the, the US government. They've got many applications from electrification of, of vehicles to even inputs into fertilizer, helping with food security and that sort of thing. So it's clearly a highly sought after resource and, and you would think over the long term demand for that resource would go up. But again, it's still uncertain. It's very difficult for a company um, to continue to lose money 
deliver no mm. revenue without having to continue to raise money to fund their development down the track. So for mine, it's on the higher risk end of the spectrum. Right. Happy to hold it because it does look like it's in a pretty good space and the chart looks all right, but it's not one that I'm okay. buying. All right. Uh, and Paul wants to view, Michael, something a bit more conservative. Uh, Abacus Property. Uh, it's into commercial office uh, space, also self-storage units um, as well. What do you think of Abacus? Yes, yeah, so Abacus, it hasn't been the best performer over a, a while. It's sort of gone sideways over five years. It's recovered a bit since the sell-off during COVID. Um, but effectively, they've got storage units um, and sort of second-tier commercial property. Right. Um, the second tier commercial property is okay because they've got the opportunity to sort of develop some of those properties uh, over time. But the question for a business like Abacus is what's their balance sheet like and whether they can fund mm. all these projects at the same time. And, it, and it's unlikely. It looks like they'll probably have to stagger it out over a long period of time. Um, the storage unit market has been doing really well. Um, but the question is what's the runway to growth over the long term, particularly if we don't see um, population growth and we don't see the housing market doing that well. So for, from my point of view, it's been an okay period for a business like this, but I just think there are probably better alternatives in the real estate right. space, yeah. um, which have better, stronger balance sheets, which allow the development projects to go ahead uh, and they can realise the returns of that quicker. Um, but look, not, not the worst quality business, pays about five, five and a half percent distribution yield. So it does distribute and does offer a bit of income for those investors. But in terms of the long-term return on investment, this company hasn't been as successful as many yeah. others. Uh, Carl, it's a, it's a big sector with some really good competitors in it as well. You can afford to be a bit, bit picky and a bit choosy here. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Abacus? Does it stack up? Uh, not really, not not really in isolation. So um, yeah, no, it's not one I'd be looking to buy. And you, you know, you raise and, and Michael raise, raises a great point about well, you know, you've got choice within a sector. I mean, if it's you, you know, you've got an option of saying, okay, I want to buy the best stocks, and I don't care where they come from, uh, and that's your portfolio. We've kind of discussed that with Ebos and Coles, and then you yeah. can say, well, I, I need something from that sector. Okay, I've got to pull in a real estate company into my portfolio to give my portfolio balance. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So if that's the case, and no, I wouldn't be buying Abacus, I'd go for uh, National Storage, right, NSR. I think, you know, that's more of a pure play if that's what you're looking for. And Abacus, we're quite late into that space. Uh, and NSR is far more dynamic uh, and, and, and growing faster there. Uh, but my, my favourite pick in the space is still a Goodman Group. Um, it was my stock for a crash. It has pulled back uh, significantly. And I think, you, you know, getting it pretty good um, levels in terms of valuation around here. And the chart is actually shaping up pretty well. Um, in, with that pullback within the longer term trend, it's come back to a nice little support level as well. Oh. So NSR or GMG would be uh, my alternative buys. Yeah. Happy to buy either of those at these levels uh, in so, that sector. So there are a lot of uh, people investing in Goodman. So yep. the pullback, you're saying start accumulating on the pullback for Goodman. Yeah, look, look, if you haven't um, got it in your portfolio and you've been waiting to buy it, I think, you know, around here is a good place yeah. to do it. If you're looking to add, add a little bit more, it's, it's equally as good a place mm. to do it. Okay, let's recap uh, the first half hour here on the call. Um, I cheated a bit today. We had two stocks a day, CSL and Liontown. CSL, a hold from Carl, uh, a buy from Michael. Liontown, take some profits from uh, Carl if you've already been in for the ride. Uh, and a hold from Michael Ebos, a hold from both. Uh, structural monitoring um, on um, no from both of them, 
but certainly on uh, Carl's watch list uh, after they come out of the trading halt. A really interesting business. Uh, Coles a no from both. Carl prefers Metcash in that supermarket area. American Pacific Borates. Um, Carl, again, taking profits. If you've had the run up there, a hold from Michael and Abacus Property, a no from both. Um, in that area, Carl prefers National Storage or and Goodman looks pretty good down at these levels. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year. For the week, we're down 1.7%, down 6% for the month, up uh, 2% this financial year and up almost 38% since we started in 2020. Um, um, over the next couple of weeks, we're sort of going to change the portfolio a bit. At the moment, any stock that gets um, two yeses from our panel uh, goes into the fantasy portfolio. If it's already there and gets two sells in the future from a panel that comes out, uh, we're going to tweak it a bit to make it a, a bit more informative for investors um, and turn it into a, a sort of live high conviction fund with a smaller basket of stocks. How it's going to work is that yes, we'll go through the 11 stocks every day here on the call. Um, our panel will say either buy, hold or sell. If it gets two buys or two sells, um, then those stocks go to an investment committee that we're putting together for their adjudication to see whether it goes into the fantasy portfolio because, or goes out of the portfolio because they'll take into account weightings, they'll and take into account portfolio construction, all the things you should be doing with the portfolio. We think that's more instructive. And uh, we'll do an extra edition of the call every month and take you inside the investment committee's meeting and see what they're thinking, what, how they discuss um, particular stocks and weightings and portfolio strategies. For example, if they have an issue with a company, they want more information, will bring the chief executive of the company into the investment committee and they can quiz them. So uh, keep sending your suggestions for stocks and uh, we'll change to the new uh, process on the 1st of March. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's get stuck into it. And John wants a review, Carl, on AGL Energy, the big uh, uh, energy retailer and producer. Yeah, super, super interesting right now, AGL. It's one that we, we've got, there's a lot of focus, uh, again, from Think Markets clients. I do a webinar every uh, Tuesday for clients. And like CSL, this is the one that keeps coming up. But number one, because it was so awful in 2021, it was down about uh, 60% or something crazy like that. Uh, but number two is because it started to bounce. And obviously, we've got a bit of a, a technical analysis bias over here with our analysis. And, and it's just starting. Look at that little tantalizing rally there. Uh, from what has been, I would put to you, one of the worst and most entrenched uh, downtrends in ASX top 50 history. 
for, you know, in AGL. So mm. it's tantalising. Is it time to buy that we've been debating? Uh, I actually uh, uh, I tweeted, uh, I took a, a daily tweet of my favourite charts and I actually put this in as my favourite chart just before the um, the announcement, just before the, the, the half-yearly report came out. Um, it's it's pulled back a little bit from then, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my guns here and call this a super super speculative buy on right. the technicals. But the fundamentals are starting to turn around. I mean, the, they they have had massive massive problems up to this point. Maybe I'll, I'll let Michael talk about some of the problems they've had. But the report was just showing you know just the green shoots um, of of just turning around. Their wholesale electricity prices starting to get better. Performance wise, is starting to get better. And you've got that prospect of the demerger. That's maybe a little bit of a hiccup because probably um, the parts are more attractive than the whole. And maybe there are going to be some investors that will wait until that occurs to buy. But then you've got another section of the market that will anticipate maybe that that buying and start to buy in advance. And, that's possibly what we're seeing right now. So super, super speculative buy. At the very least, if it's in your portfolio right now and you have suffered over the last two years, it takes some hope that you know, if it's worth anything. I think, it, I think it's turned the corner anyway. Mm. Michael? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because this was a, you know, a favourite stock of so many yeah. people and it was trading close to $30 there at one stage and been under pressure really ever since. Um, basically, what happened was globally... Uh, electricity prices came down, um, and even in Australia as well, particularly because so many renewables were flooding into the system. Um, so you've had a situation where not only has that been playing out, but the government was trying for so long to curb increases in energy prices. Um, there's been people you know, installing solar panels on their roofs and, and all that sort of feeds into the system. So basically the price of electricity has collapsed um, and that is starting to recover now, not only in Australia, but on a global scale as well. Um, AGL, they're one of the biggest investors in renewable energy on the market, but ultimately they are major coal power assets that generate yep. power for the, for the, I think about 20% of the country. So significant assets in that space. And the question is what happens long-term with those assets and hence why they're going down this demerger path where they're essentially going to bundle all the dirty coal generating yep. assets into one vehicle. Uh, and then they're going to have another sort of carbon neutral type vehicle. So you can that is get made. your ESG investors. That's right. right. So, and obviously you can approach the banks, access to capital, that sort of thing. But the difficulty is, will they actually be better off with that demerge vehicle? Because the quality of those assets independently probably aren't as good as they are combined. Because right. um, ultimately an energy retailer probably isn't as good a quality business, a lot more competition and that sort of thing. People changing their, their yeah. energy user, uh, energy provider all the time as they chase the best deal and as they chase the one that's the most renewable focus. So it's a it's still we're at an inflection point here for AGL. It's going to be interesting to see where they end up here um, because essentially they're going to end up with two different assets on extreme sides of the spectrum. The very, very dirty assets that probably no one wants to touch trading on low multiples and then the ultra renewable that stuff, probably, which is probably too new age for a lot of investors right. as well. So, and the dirty ones will probably yeah. make the most money for the first five years. Yep. It's a difficult Absolutely. position that they're in, but they are trying to jump ahead, kind of greenwash right. their name a little bit yep. um, and then sort of plan for the future. Okay. And that might draw people into it. So if you're in AGL, do you get shares in the new one? I think you will automatically, right. and okay. I think AGL will still own a small, or maybe vice versa. The, the dirty right. will still own a portion of the okay. clean company. So would you buy it? I yep. wouldn't buy it, because um, I just want to see how it plays okay. out. But often these demergers um, do create a bit of value, and we've seen that okay. with, with Coles and 
and West yep. Farmers, etc. When they do clean up the business a little bit, it does attract yeah. different types well, of investors we'll which endeavor. are focused on mm. on certain things. So look, there, I think there is hope, but I'm not, it, look, it is highly speculative and, and Carl might well be right, but from my standpoint and for clients, okay. we're not going out today and buying AGL, put it that way. All right, a bit more conservative, Ben wants a view, uh, Michael, on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank reported this week? Yes. End of last week? So yeah, I mean, a, a strong result, I mean, it's difficult for the banks at the moment because there's just a lot of competition going on in mortgages. Uh, margins are coming down, but there is a bit of a flight to safety going on in terms of people investing in banks. Do I think that's justified? Probably, probably not. Because if you get a situation where interest rates do go up in response to inflation, you would expect credit growth to come off the boil a little bit. Um, you'd also expect housing prices to come back a little bit as well, potentially. So it's not the easiest environment for banks to make money, particularly when they're meant to be investing a lot in technology improvements yep. and enhancements. One thing with Bendigo Bank is they get about 75% of their funding from term deposits. So if interest rates do go up, then people are more inclined to park their money yep. in term deposits, you would think, and that would be a source of funding for them. Um, but in saying that the source of funding being purely or mainly deposits is one of their negatives as well, where they can't access cheap markets overseas yeah. as freely as the big four banks, which puts them at a bit of a competitive disadvantage. And also there's a, a diminishing emphasis now on the old bank branch. So yeah. there's a lot more competition out there for deposits with online accounts and those sorts of things as well. So Bendigo Bank, I mean, I commend what they're doing. They're probably invested a lot early um, in technology, probably similar to CBA in that respect, yeah. uh, and they continue to go down that path. But I just think it's challenging long term to compete with the big four, and I don't think we're entering the most um, conducive conditions okay. for the banking sector. So it's a, a sell for me. Okay. Um, Carl, I interviewed Matt Common here on Ausbiz on the day of their results, and he gave me a fascinating multiple. He said, for every quarter percent increase in official interest rates, adds four basis points to the net interest margin of Commonwealth Bank. And every uh, net interest margin basis point is worth $80 million in income to them. So quarter percent income, uh, uh, increase in official interest rates, $320 million into their income. And he was saying he reckoned official interest rates would peak <laughs> at one and a quarter percent. So yeah, rising he, interest he rates... They can make some money. He'd, he'd be licking his lips with Nemac. Yeah. I mean, look, the the basics of the model is you know you you borrow from people at very low rates on yeah. term deposits, and then you lend at very uh, high rates in in the in the long term on your mortgages. Um, and as that yield curve steepens, we're getting a bit technical here. Uh, your margins uh, tend to increase. And as you say, you only need a tiny improvement because their, 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 their mortgage bases are so large uh, to get that, you know, that outsized um, improvement to the bottom line. So it's, it's tantalising. And I think um, yeah, there's good reason why our banks have, have rallied uh, recently. And I tell you what, Koshi, thank goodness they did, because I reckon our market would have been in the toilet yeah. uh, if they didn't, just, just the sheer market <laughs> cap that these guys provide. And that keeps, that keeps the, the, the index funds buying and it kind of keeps everything up. Um, so that's not a bad thing either. Look, uh, very quickly on Bendigo, um, you know, the cons are clear. Look, it's a smaller bank, so it's got to compete uh, in, in a market where competition is rife anyway. 
uh, pros, look, it, it, it's it's quite nimble. Small uh, allows you to be nimble. They're, they have uh, invested heavily in sort of digitization of their products, um, technology. They've got that up online bank, which is uh, very popular, particular with the sort of the younger demographics. So that gives them a great growth runway as well. And they're typically sort of growing their book at faster than um, sort of, you know, uh, system rates anyway. So if I had to pick a bank, this is actually the one I would pick. I think yeah. it's the most undervalued uh, as it is. Uh, and uh, you know it's got a, it's got, I've just got my numbers. Where's my numbers here? Um, the yield is 5.5% fully franked, 10% upside on my fair value target, and that compares favourably. So again, it's about okay. I have to pick a bank. Which one am I going to pick? Um, and I think this is the one you pick if you can get past some of those cons. ANZ 5.2%. So viewers might want to jot these down because they always want to know what the banking yields are. Now this is a forecast FY22, 5.2% fully franked for ANZ. Fair value for us. We've got it at a hold. CBA, by far and away the most expensive bank, but there is a bit of a quality premium in there. Um, the yield is only 4% fully franked. About uh, It's actually, we've got it 4% overvalued, calling it a hold. NAB looks the most overvalued. Um, yield only 4.7%, but has the best chart, weirdly. I'd actually call that a, a technical analysis buy. Uh, Westpac, 5.3% uh, fully franked yield. Uh, fair value hold uh, Suncorp Metway, a bit of insurance in there, which we like insurance actually, QBE looks really good, 5.5% uh, fully franked yield, um, it's a it's a hold fair value for us. So mm. Bendico stands out as the one that has the most okay. uh, potential upside on valuation basis and uh, the most competitive fully franked yield as well. Okay. And in an environment where us depositors, as I said at the start of this, we're getting next to nothing, why wouldn't you go out and grab that 5% yep. fully franked yield? Yep. Okay, really so good point. Yeah, thanks for that comparison too. That was uh, really instructive. Love it. Um, Layla wants to be on TPG Telecom. Carl, the telecommunications group that was uh, a bit of a, a darling in the market, second tier mm. telco, and they loved the founder of it until he went back to Singapore and started Chewas. <laughs> he, yeah, he departed. Uh, yeah, hasn't to us done done well? Yeah. Um, geez, they'd be annoyed with Yukoshi calling them the second. Did you call them a second rate? Second uh, tier. Uh, telco. Second, second tier. tier. Oh, not, apologies. Not second be, rate. I wouldn't call them that. Uh, Did I say rate? They'd be, no, I don't know. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> might have been. Oh, might have been tier. <laughs> no, they, they, they'd still be furious. But uh, <laughs> the fact that they look, it's a fact, isn't it? They are second to Telstra. And yep. again, you know, if you're choosing your telco stock, what do you choose? Do you choose Telstra or do you choose TPG? Now, looking at the chart, you'd choose Telstra. Um, but because TPG looks awful on the chart. And, you know, is it this David um, T.O. Uh, factor here where he yep. uh, he offloaded a third of his holdings back in December? Uh, it, that means he's still got two thirds to go. Um, uh, it's just, you know, about, about $600, $700 million worth of stock that still needs to hit the market. Now, he was escrowed for two years about nine, uh, 19 months ago. So in about yeah. five months, let's, let's assume he's going to do the rest of it. I mean, it's inevitable. So there is yep. this kind of big block of stock that's overhanging the, the, the shares. The other problem is uh, not only did he leave, but uh, the CFO and uh, maybe even the, the, the yes. somebody else, one of the, you know, a, lot, a lot of the TPG guys kind of said, okay, you know, we've done pretty well, we're out of here. Yeah. And you're left with the Vodafone uh, Hutchinson management, which let's face it, that wasn't a, a, you know, a, a, a stunningly booming business, right, for many, many years. Yeah. So I think that's what investors are down on. Now, having said all of those negatives, it's Jesus looking cheap. Um, unfortunately, from the chart, I think it's going to get cheaper. So it's just, it, it is one we are totally, totally interested in. And it's just a matter of figuring out yeah. where that chart bottoms uh, so to pick yet. up what I think is a really cheap stock. So watch it. 
I, I can't even call it a hold because I think it's going to go down. So yeah. I can't say oh, hold it because it looks cheap. I think it's going to go down, but then, uh, you know, I think there's a buying opportunity somewhere down the track. Okay. Uh, Michael? Yeah, TPG has done a great job as emerging as one of the sort of top players. I mean, if you yeah. go back five, six, 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 seven years ago, when we first invested in TPG, they acquired M2 Communications, IINet, Pipe Networks. Yeah. They yeah. basically amalgamated all these businesses and really is the last man standing out of those emerging telcos that were around back then. And they have become a major player in the room, particularly with the merger with Vodafone. But the problem is as they've grown, the industry's matured and become a lot more competitive and all the low hanging fruit in many ways has mm. disappeared. So I think this reached about $12 there at one point. It's yeah. since obviously had a demerger as well of a business that's done very well. But the problem for TPG or, or the thesis behind TPG is whether or not they can continue to win mobile subscribers um, and recent data over the last 12, 18 months suggests that they're probably lagging in that, on that front and losing some market share. Um, pricing overall in the mobile space has become um, a little bit more attractive, particularly after that race to the bottom to try and win customers for the MBN. So for them, it's really about mobiles. Internet's still a small part of their business and quite a challenging part and, and low margin part of their business. Um, but from our standpoint, it's hard to get excited at TPG until we see some of those key metrics turn around. Um, as a positive, they are looking to sell off some tower assets in 2022, um, which could provide them a little bit of liquidity. Another thing that might be holding back the share price is a lot of shares that are in escrow um, because of the Vodafone transaction are coming out of escrow this year as well. So you might have some overhang in selling. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things to consider there, but like Carl, we actually do think TPG is very cheap and we are keeping an eye on it. But if we do start to see momentum in the business turn around and, and potentially that share price start to tick up as well, it might be worth looking at okay. then. But for now, it's a, probably a sell until we start to get some good news coming out right. about the direction of that business. Okay. All right, uh, next company we need to look at, EML Payments, um, the debit and gift card company. They uh, were out this morning reaffirming four-year guidance of up to 250 million revenue, uh, 34 million post-tax profit, despite high regulatory, regulatory costs in Ireland. Remember the Irish authorities having a look at them for uh, maybe money laundering over there through some of these gift cards. Um, share price down 11% at one stage today. Um, um, what did you think? Michael, of the, of the announcement and EML. Um, I must admit, I haven't had a chance to delve yeah. into it in, in too much detail. There's a lot coming out today, so you've got to sort of prioritise yeah. the ones you're in. Yeah. We're not yeah. in EML, yeah. but it's um, one that was a, a high flyer there going back a couple of years. Yep. People were really um, loving this business, and there's essentially three parts to the company. There's the gift cards. Um, there's also the reloadable credit cards, which are used yep. by betting, betting organisations, etc. And then also like a business transaction mm. payments had software. A, had a nice business and then got yeah. in trouble with the authorities. And then went over in into Ireland, Ireland and with a big acquisition. And then they ran into regulatory problems, basically yeah. around anti-money laundering and people using these cards to, to hide cash. Yeah. And the regulator, I think at this stage, is looking at capping the amount that you can get on some of those gift cards. And if that is the case, that will then limit the amount of customer growth. So I think what's right. happened is the markets recalibrated their expectations of EML. It did come back a long way and it started to settle a little bit now. Um, but it's positive, I suppose, that they've reaffirmed their profits. But the problem yeah. is when you go overseas, you spend all this money on an asset, 
expecting it to generate X amount of revenue, then all of a sudden that acquisition can no longer generate that amount. It's yep. a, a big negative, particularly if you've taken on some yep. debt or you raised a lot of money to do so. It can be very dilutive, and that's essentially what's happened at the moment, or at least what the market's thinking might have happened, yep. depending on the final result with that regulator. So from my standpoint, it's a, a very difficult proposition at the moment, given yep. all that's hanging over it. Yeah. Um, and that chart, Carl, you had the big cliff yeah. for COVID uh, in March 2020. Then you had the big regu regulatory cliff about a year later. Yeah, yeah look, uh, Michael summed it up perfectly. I, I, I won't add anything to that. And uh, Kosh, you kind of nailed it when you said we're a, a great business going really well until they went into to Europe or Ireland with that PFS acquisition. And uh, you could say a bit unlucky. Or yep. you could say uh, maybe the due diligence wasn't good enough, and that's why there's a, 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 obviously a, a class action against them, which is dragging on the share price as well. Um, I think there's a good business there, though, and I, and I think it's pretty well valued. But again, I can't go buy it because the chart looks horrific, as in horrific, as in um, if you had a bouncing ball, sort of that that lower. I've got to get the the the, the camera yeah. right. The lower <laughs> the lower bouncing ball. Uh, to the right-hand side of the screen, and you imagine a ball bouncing on a table, and oh, each time no. it bounces on the table, it bounces lower and lower and lower. You kind of see it there, which you know between yeah. 2021 and 2022. Now, eventually, that ball misses the edge of the table, and yeah. now it's in thin air, and now it's falling faster than it ever did before. Yeah. Um, so right. I'm really concerned about this one. Okay. I can't, I can't call it a buy. It looks cheap, right. um, and I can't even call it a hold because I'm yep. too concerned about the chart. Okay. All right, our final stop, we need to do this pretty quickly. Uh, Carla Michael is Ampol. Carl, what do you think of Ampol? I like, I like Ampol. I think it's, um, I think it's, they're coming into their bull market here with uh, refining, refining margins basically doubling over the last and government uh, six support. months. <laughs> yeah, and government support. How good is that? Of course, they haven't got any government support for the last two quarters because they're um, they're over they're litten, they're they're back in the in the green. They're making money again. Um, yeah, look, I think it's I think there's it. You know, it, it, look, Ampol is is not a buy and hold uh, sleep at night stock. It's a trading stock. Um, it's very cyclical. You can buy the dips and then sell the rallies. I think we're halfway through a rally, um, so it's halfway to where it needs to go. I think 35, 36 is the ultimate target for this, um, and I think you can buy it. I think you can buy it here, but it's more of a trade. Um, okay. so, so it's not your, your self-managed super fund right. term stuff. Uh, Michael? It's a difficult business. They've got obviously the refining business, which is normally the, the problem child of the company, which has been good of late. Yep. There's just so many variables for this, it's all the oil, the refining margins out of Singapore, the currency, yep. etc. So it's very difficult, as Carl says, to have a long-term view of where things are heading. Um, I think they have about 35% of the market share when it comes to, to petrol, you know, the old Caltex. Yep. A lot of competition with Shell, BA, um, not BHP, BP, etc. Um, it's getting people really to shift from E10, low margin fuel to high margin yep. fuel. That's where they can really generate some growth in margins. But over time, vehicles are becoming more efficient, requiring less petrol, and there's obviously the move to electric vehicles. So from my standpoint, as a long-term investor or medium long-term investor, it's difficult to get excited okay. about. So sell right. for me. All right, let's uh, recap the final five stocks. AGL, super speculative buyer from Carl. Uh, a no from Michael. Uh, Bendigo Bank, if... You want a bank, 
Um, this is the be best value, according to Carl, of all the banks, the regional and the big fours at the moment. Uh, a no from Michael. Uh, TPG, uh, a no from Carl. He prefers, prefers Telstra in the telco market. A sell from Michael. EML, a no from both. Uh, Ampol, a trading buy from Carl and a sell from Michael. Uh, Carl Capolinga uh, from Think Markets. Thanks for joining us. Uh, your Tuesday webinar that you were talking about earlier in the show. Can anyone join uh, in that or you register uh, through Think Markets on a Tuesday? There, there is a, yeah, head to the website and uh, there's a webinar section and, and uh, you can register for that one. So okay. yeah, ideally you're a, you're a client, but yeah. um, you know, be fascinating. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, throw it open for, I'll throw it open for this Tuesday. So okay. oh, uh, terrific. Let's, let's get everybody in. Uh, for viewers of the call, perfect. Thank you, mate. Uh, and Michael Wayne from Fairmont, good to see you, mate. Thank Welcome you, back. no problem. All right, uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, uh, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Check out all the stocks in the call's portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.